Support for this show comes from Slack. You're a growing business and you can't afford to slow down. If anything, you could probably use a few more hours in the day. That's why the most successful growing businesses are working together in Slack. Slack is where work happens with all your people, data, and information in one AI-powered place. Start a call instantly in huddles and ditch cumbersome calendar invites. Or build an automation with Workflow Builder to take routine tasks off your plate. No coding required. Grow your business in Slack. Visit slack.com to get started. Support for this show comes from Sylvan Learning. When children love learning, they can tackle any challenge life throws at them. Sylvan's Insight Assessment can help you determine if your child is ready for what's ahead. It can also identify gaps in learning and point out areas that could be of concern for your child so they can tackle what's to come. And right now, it's the best price of the year at $29. Go to sylvan29.com to learn more and get your child's assessment for only $29. That's S-Y-L-V-A-N-29.com. Hi, everyone. This is Pivot from the Vox Media Podcast Network. I'm Kara Swisher, and we are back from South by Southwest. Scott, where are you this week? Somewhere else. I'm in the public library in Aspen. Why? Uh, We're out here. It's uh, ski week for the kids, so I came out yesterday, and uh, Mm -hmm. I'm going full house on the mountain. Everything is full house. I've decided that's my new term, full house. All right. Okay. All right. But why the public library? Is that the only studio in Aspen? Because when you have kids, trying to find a quiet place is near impossible, and this is what we've been relegated to is is a public library. (laughs) They couldn't be nicer here. How is the public library? Aspen? When's the last time you were in a public library? You know, it just in general, when's the last time you were in a public library? I like libraries a lot. I go to the library in Del Rey. I find the Dang. one in New York inspiring. I think libraries are, are, are sexy oh. again. I think they're making a comeback. Are they? I don't know. Like books. Did you see that picture of all those supermodels carrying books? Interesting. Please forward Story. it to you me. Please it. forward it to my private text Real message books. account. It's from the New York Post. It's ridiculous. It's so insulting to both both supermodels and books. Anyway, um, let's go through the stories this week. Obviously, there's more serious stories. There's a lot of huge stories. Um, so we have a lot to break down. Obviously, the the aftermath of the New Zealand terrorist attack um, that was streamed on Facebook is just one more horrific mess the company had has to clean up. I had written. Uh, last week in the New York Times about the worst week ever for Facebook, and this was the day before the New Zealand attacks. Um, they they and YouTube and others have tried mightily to clean it up, but it's still a giant mess, and i just love to know what you think about that. Um, obviously, social media paid a, played a, a role in this. I don't know if it was the key role, but it was definitely a major role. So, Kara, Germany might be a model here, and that is because of the history around fascism in Europe, they've decided that they're more comfortable violating the tension of First Amendment to try and put out or, or if you will, uh, arrest dangerous content before it goes viral, if you will. And as a result, because they've decided the social media platforms incur greater liability if something bad happens, as a result of content on Facebook in Germany, there are a lot more editors and screeners in Germany. So I, I, the bottom line is when you make these companies responsible and liable for this stuff, they figure out a way to put more people um, screening this content. And then, and then the kind of the very basic question is, if, if, if all the other media channels in the world have figured out a way to screen this content, specifically they pay people to put up the content and they screen it, 
Why have we decided that these guys are exonerated from that? Why is, should we have a default notion that they are allowed because of the nature of these platforms to not screen or not be responsible for the content that ends up on their platforms? Yes, exactly. I think what's interesting is the question of that they have done a really good job uh, blocking ISIS, for example. There was a great story in BuzzFeed about this. They've done a great job blocking ISIS. Why can't they just take white supremacy or other areas like that and just do the same thing, just to make a decision on certain kinds of content? And that'll, of course, you know, raise the hackles of free speech and that. And, you know, I'm, I've been getting attacked for saying some things like this, but I don't care. Um, these platforms are not benefiting from this hate speech, and at some point they're going to have to make a choice. Um unless they just want to be free-for-alls, and that's what they become. And so they could do it because they've done it with terrorist content or tried to really hard. And so that's that's a big question for them, whether they just want to say, look, we're just not going to be for white supremacy, which I don't, doesn't seem to me to be that hard. Or, or that whole, that whole the, all those memes, we're not going to be a platform for it. Um, and I think that's, uh, that. we'll see. I don't think they're going to do that, but they could. They certainly, there's examples like in Germany or with ISIS that they've done it. Uh, relatively, you know, with, it's just it's just a question whether they have the guts to do it or they have the whatever to do it. Look at YouTube, Twitter, and mm-hmm. Facebook. In terms of the gestalt of management, who do you think is most serious about trying to address this probably, problem? And probably YouTube. Probably YouTube, I would guess. Most serious I about think it? they're the most concerned about it. I think they know they've got a problem. At least, you know, I, I do think Facebook is concerned about it, but I think they I think they are. It's just I think they don't know what to do. They don't, there's so many every answer is a bad answer essentially. Every solution has its own thorny hooks. And so um so that's a problem. I think they don't – they're not – like I said, they're ill-equipped to handle these massive discussions. And again, uh, maybe the government will step in. I don't know. We'll see. There's been – you know, there's lots of talk about that. And it will be interesting what happens. I'd love to get an interview with the New Zealand prime minister who, like, in two seconds banned assault rifles. Like, what does she think of, of the, the way these platforms were used by this terrorist? Um, and so it's a good it's a good question. I think it'll ultimately come down to uh, regulation as it, as it will. And speaking of regulation, uh, the admission scandal. It sounds like a weird thing from all these murders to this, but you know another another really interesting scandal that happened um, uh, in this age. And there were obviously more internet connections than you think because of videos by some of these kids and, and things like that. But it, it, that was, it was really something. I'm, I'm, my kids, I'm doing my kids' college thing right now, so it sort of was fascinating to, to read about it and horrifying at the same time. Yeah, there's, there's so much here. You have, whenever t- typically you have um, this level of income inequality, you have these mechanisms for self-correction, and they're usually war, famine, or mm-hmm. revolution. And I think we're going through sort of a, almost like a soft revolution where we're now shaming wealthy people who are basically, Bob Dylan said that money doesn't talk, it curses. And basically this is an example of the wealthy cursing at the middle mm-hmm. class because when Stanford only takes 4% of its applicants and every company within a 10 mile radius of Stanford has figured out a way to scale their product to millions and millions or billions of people and yet Stanford has triple the amount of applicants but hasn't increased their supply because they wanna maintain the exclusivity. They're, you know, We have a problem and who's getting hurt here? It's interesting. If you're an impressive kid who's overcome the obstacles of being raised in a low-income household, we're bringing as many or more of those kids into the university system as ever before. Rich kids have no problem getting in. There's 38 universities, top universities, including five Ivies, that have more kids from the top 1% of Mm -hmm. households, income earning households, than the bottom 60%. The kids that are really getting squeezed here 
are probably the majority of the kids that we knew or grew up with, and that is kids who are good, but maybe not remarkable, don't have a patent for middle-class households. So those are the ones that don't have the seats. And while they're still going to college, what you're seeing across the board is that kids are going to less prestigious college colleges than their mm-hmm. parents. And I don't know about you, but I can't be at a party where someone doesn't say, I would never get into, you know, name name of university, right? I would never get into. Oh, I wouldn't get into my college. But here's, I would never. But here's, the, here's never. the thing. People say it with some pride, and that's not a good thing because on a risk-adjusted basis, yeah. your kid might be a little bit less impressive than you. He or she might be more impressive than you. But most likely, they're kind of the similar to you on character, academic achievement, discipline, mm-hmm. which means they're not going to have yeah. the same – opportunities as you because we have a caste system in the U.S. It's called higher education. Give me a kid's zip code, his family wealth, and most importantly, his, his, his certification or his pedigree in the form of a college degree, and I'm going to tell you how much money this kid's going to make. It's, it's an interesting question of how much, you know, because you know Silicon Valley doesn't think colleges matter at all. <laughs> like a lot of people do. I'm not so sure college mattered as much for me. I have to say, I, 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 I'm, I'm weirdly in a Peter Thiel camp on this kind of thing. Um, I would would have rather worked, um, but I do think that the the achievement, you know, hamster wheel is really spinning faster than ever. And you're right; they this is not the game has gotten worse and worse for for especially a certain kind of kid for sure. Um, but it's definitely it makes you think about how education should be done and why isn't Stanford open to more people online? Why isn't why aren't these colleges everyone's dying to go to um, and cheating to go to? Um, have different ways to present themselves. It's an interest. It hasn't. They haven't increased applications that way. Disney has managed to triple the number of people who can come to their parks every year. I mean, Google is now at three billion, mm-hmm. but Harvard has decided. Harvard said the head of admissions last year at Harvard said we could have doubled the incoming freshman class and not sacrificed any quality. And my my viewpoint is well, so why not? yeah, with a thirty eight billion dollar endowment, why not? So we should start taxing these endowments unless they grow their admissions or their seats faster than the rate of population growth. Because when you're growing your endowment faster than your public service, you're not a not-for-profit. You're a private enterprise. And one of the biggest problems is I... Mm -hmm. Kara, as I look at the man in the mirror, is that we academics at top universities have become drunk on exclusivity. We now believe that we're luxury brands, not public goods. We brag about the fact that we turn away 95% of our applicants, which is tantamount to a homeless shelter saying, wow, we're such an amazing shelter, we turn away 95% of the people who show up every night. This is not... (laughs) That's an interesting metaphor. This is not a. <laughs> this is a n- not a good thing. No, it's not. This exclusivity, this notion of turning away good kids, such that only like freakishly good kids can now get into great schools, it's really a crisis in mm-hmm. the U.S. Because if you think about, and I'm really on my soapbox now, Kara, but if you think about the greatest, right. the greatest things uh, I believe forces of good in society, I would argue that capitalism and the U.S. middle class are right up there. Turned turned away. Hitler arrested AIDS, and the lubricant for the middle class is education. And kids from the middle class yeah. are being squeezed out or squeezed down. And it's they are these games are like were you were you surprised by these games that these they're, they're sort of semi wealthy because the really wealthy people just buy libraries for colleges and then they go that kind of thing like the Jared Kushner manner of getting into Harvard for example. So, uh, but with the but these little tricks yeah. were so weird and like complex. It was. I was just—I can't even imagine. I was talking to my kid about yeah. it, and 
I was like, what would you do if I ever did? He's like, I wouldn't speak to you. Like, it was just, and all these kids are getting, like, thrown out, possibly getting thrown out. And it's just the whole, the whole schmageggy is, like, weird as can be, I have to say. And I felt bad enough having my kid in, like, a, an SAT prep course. Like, yeah. you know, I felt bad about that. I was like, well, he's getting kind of an advantage, but, you know, I can afford it kind of thing. And and then they do this, and I'm like, oh, I don't feel quite that bad anymore for that. But I, I don't feel great about it for sure. Well, there, there's, um, there's, there's a lot of nuance here, right? The back door, the people who give millions of dollars, I would argue that, look, uh, we live in a capitalist society. Spoiler alert, the kids of rich people do have an advantage. And if someone gives $10 million to a university mm-hmm. and their son or their nephew gets in, I'm okay with that because that $10 bucks will actually probably increase the number of seats available to, to kids who might not otherwise. Right. I, I do think there is a rationale and let's be honest, someone gives a lot of money to a university, they're going to get favorable treatment. And I'm not sure that's a bad thing. But when people, I mean, when, when you talk about people bribing um, coaches, and I mean, some of this stuff got so ugly so fast. And just a shout out, you know, who has not lost the script is my alma mater, mm-hmm. uh, University of California. I went to UCLA undergrad, uh, and they got ensnared in the scandal. And then Berkeley, the yep. ranking of the t- 10 universities that have the most income disparity, the most people from the lowest quintile on up, seven of them are uh, University of California campuses. Berkeley will graduate more kids from low-income households this year than the entire Ivy League combined. So there are still universities who have stayed true to their mission. But we're going to have – th- this is going to, I think, require a lot of overdue scrutiny around, one, are we academics drunk with exclusivity? And what two should tenure be banished, which is nothing but social welfare for the overeducated? And three, should we think be thinking about some sort of way to increase the supply of seats such that we can return to the 70s and 80s when I was applying? It's all online. Online is how you do 100%, it, right? 100%. Some, or a hybrid, right? Yeah. Half online, half offline. Yeah. But we need to bring down costs and increase supply and stop thinking of ourselves as luxury goods but as, as public servants. Anyways. Yes, luxury goods. Thank you for that rant, Scott. It was not as good as your South by Southwest There rant, you go. But we're going to take a quick break. There were several rants there. We're going to take a quick break now for work from our sponsors and come back with wins and fails and predictions. Support for this podcast comes from Constant Contact. If you're a business owner, you already know that it's really, really hard to cut through the noise of everyday life. If you want to connect with your customers, you need to break through the noise. You need Constant Contact. Constant Contact is a marketing platform that makes it easy to reach new audiences, grow your customer list, and connect over email, text, social media, and more. Whether you're a marketing guru or just learning the ropes, Constant Contact offers writing assistance tools and automation features that make it simple to say the right thing at the right time. So get going and start growing your business today with a free trial at ConstantContact.com. Just go to ConstantContact.com right now. Constant Contact, helping the small stand tall. ConstantContact.com. Thank you. 
We're back to our show with Scott Galloway, who's in Aspen in some library. God knows why. Um, we're just talking about the college uh, admission scandal, the situation in New Zealand, and the culpability of plat- online platforms. Now we're going to talk about wins and fails of this week. Um, you know, I'm going to go. I'm going to start with a win of George Conway. And I know it's the stupidest, most ludicrous story of all time, but he's brilliant on on Twitter and driving the president crazy. Now, it may be part of some elaborate reality show to take our minds off this ridiculous budget that the Trump administration put through, or maybe the Mueller report, or or any number of things that are headed this way. Um, but uh, it's a really interesting use of technology, uh, both both by President Trump against John McCain on the other side, and then whacking back at George Conway. Um, and one of my favorite tweets, and the, the Twitter sphere is fantastic on this, I have to say it's been very funny, um, is the idea that George Conway, who is the husband of Kellyanne Conway, who works for President Trump, um, and uh, John McCain are, are, have rented an Airbnb inside the head of Donald Trump, and it's all being played <laughs> out on Twitter. And at the same time, the Devin Cow uh, thing with Devin Nunes, who's suing uh, Twitter. Devin is, uh, Nunes is obviously a fail, but the cow is a winner, um, has now surpassed users uh, on Twitter. It's a silly, stupid, both silly, stupid things, but totally enjoyable. That's, that's hard to beat. Um well, you brought up earlier, mm-hmm. um, Prime Minister, uh, and I, don't know, I hope I don't get her name wrong, Jacinda Ardern, you know, that 49 people are mm-hmm. massacred. And then a week later, they say, you know what, we're going to ban assault rifles. And they ban assault rifles. They ban right. uh, high capacity magazines. They ban the devices that turn regular rifles into assault weapons. And the opposition party mm-hmm. that's generally a little bit more pro-gun goes, yeah, that seems reasonable. And they don't oppose it. And within seven right. days, they kind of make, they bust this move to sanity. And what's interesting yeah. is that the entire world was fixated on what happened in New Zealand. Yet we lost 40, 54 people were murdered at a country music festival in Las Vegas. We lost 49 yes. people in an Orlando shooting. I mean, this is happening every mm-hmm. six to 12 months for us, yet we can't seem to find the same sanity that New Zealand found in seven days. So my win is is Why Prime do you Minister. think that is? Is it, what do you think that's for, the prime minister? Okay, what do you think that's because? Be- um, be Americans being Americans or the way the social media thing creates these ludicrous things that are one after the next after the next. It's like a reality show, really. No, I think it's because there's some very well-organized lobbies, including big tech and including the NRA, where they have taken advantage of the fact that because of Citizens United and gerrymandering and hard left and hard right districts, that eth- effectively government has become pay for play and well-organized, well-financed organizations can can promote or delay and obfuscate um, sane legislation that even the majority of the U- the majority of the U.S. is against assault weapons, but we can't seem to get this mm-hmm. done. So I think it's money and politics that is the culprit here, not anything, not anything that's you know about social. Not media. noisiness, because it's real noisy out there. They're, they're all using. It's so noisy. The noisiness is really, and the ability to get sucked into this breads and bread and circuses. You know, like these ridiculous. It feels like that with a lot of this stuff. Some of which are amusing, like Devin Cow. I have to say, Devin I totally Cow. enjoyed Devin Cow. Uh, but, but, but it's you do get sort of dragged into the the like the George Con- the Twitter war of George Conway. I can't tell you how much time I spend watching only because he's so funny. And like he infuriates. He is Trump's so like, your man crush. Totally enjoyable. He is so your man crush. I do. I don't know what's oh with him. He's so funny. Come on. You really love the you whole love narcissistic him, huh? personalities and his responses. Well, only because his responses are so clever. They're like I'm like wow. Where did he like? He's one of these like Ocasio Cortez. He's good at it. 
um, and every day, um, uh, you know, there, there's, there, it's just, there's just like his little thing. Uh, it's just his little. Now he's moved into the Devin Nunes area too, which is like even better. And then every now and then he posts pictures of corgis, which is like, like insane. It's like really, it's wonderful and awful. So yes, I do love it. I do. I have to say, it makes Kellyanne yeah. Conway seem more human yeah. that that she decided to spend her life with this guy. No, right? Um, no, uh, you won't acknowledge yes, that. No, point. I know that, but it, the, the whole. <laughs> No, I don't. I don't want to know about the relation. I'm sure they're getting. I mean, it seems like they're getting interested. I know she she defended Trump, which was interesting, um, which is uh, which is fascinating. Yeah. Um, so another um, winner, our man. Uh, speaking of dreamy, Beto O'Rourke, six point one winner, million dollars yeah. in the first twenty four hours. God, Isn't that crazy? Whatever. You're not down with Beto. It is. He's your man. He's not my. Oh man. my God, He's dreamy. In any way. dreamy. I could shower in that guy's sweat. So I take Biden over him. Did you? St- I take Biden over him. You see the the predictions about Stacey Abrams, who I adore, yeah. uh, being a possible vice presidential candidate for Biden. That was interesting. Yeah, that's not going to happen. We almost never thing. elect the third term of any one administration, and that's his strategy. I don't think it's going to work. I also think we're. I yeah. think his age probably takes him out. We'll see. I don't know. They're all so old. Beto, you and that Beto man. Oh my God, that guy's come on, dreamy with a capital D. Six point. That Vanity Fair cover with him and his sad-looking dog. It's like, oh my God, that dog uh, is so sad. Please. Uh, he's going to be whatever. He's. Ex- I don't know. I thought Margaret Sullivan from the Washington Post had a great column, but the three Bs, all the boys. Yeah. It was just so typical. I'm going to move you on to something that you actually know about okay. instead of Beto, which is the non-topic. And if you bring it up again, I'm going to have to do something about dreamy. it. Dreamy. It's this Instagram, Instagram letting you. By letting you buy things directly in the app now. Instagram will keep a small cut of the sale for facilitating the purchase and it's partnering with PayPal to process the payments. What do you think of this? Is this an Amazon herder? Or, you know, Facebook's tried to get into commerce a zillion times. Yeah, except except this one's going to work. This is staggeringly powerful. Tell me why. Because you take someone to the bot. It's the same reason Amazon Media Group is so powerful because they can serve you an ad seamlessly right at the bottom of the funnel. So if you have Huggies in your cart, they can say to P&G, would you like to run an ad for Pampers as they're about to check out with Huggies? And the answer is yes, and they'll pay a lot of money. Mm-hmm. When you're on what is effectively the Condé Nast of our generation, which is Instagram, and you see this beautiful image yeah. of a Manolo Blahnik shoe. The Condé Nast of our generation. You like that? Like, like the old- You like uh, that? The, I like it. I actually like yeah, it. it. I think it's smart. Yes, that's very not, smart. Like the, 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 you mean like the- I don't know, Vogue's full of ads, right? The ads are what you're looking at. Yeah, but not only full of ads, but... uh, They're beautiful ads. That's right. Condé Nast is able to bring together this unbelievable talent and make the ads, these Annie Leibovitz shots of Kate Moss in a moment in time, and you think, wow, I would really like to buy that $90 fragrance. I'm not sure why, but I'd like to buy it. Mm -hmm. And Mm -hmm. if I could buy it right now in this irrational moment where I am moved emotionally, I would. And and Instagram is giving you the ability. They're bringing together that kind of top of the funnel, beautiful moment in time. And the ability to 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 buy it with a touch, and it's on. Yeah, its they're way. they're not, they're they're you know, a Glossier has done very well on there. A lot of products have done. They've also got stuff like Opie. They've got to clean up some of the stuff they're selling. But I have to say, I have thought about buying a lot of things on Instagram and not an ability to do it. And so this is an interesting. I bet I would. I bet I would. No, I li- I literally realized yeah. I had gone to hell, and that social media had taken over my brain. When I actually noticed, I, I saw an ad for a cruise, and I thought, "Wow, a cruise doesn't sound awful." I'm like, "Oh my god, I'm 105." When a cruise <laughs> doesn't sound like hell, you're like, "Okay, I'm 105." I hate. Cruises. And then you know, I get sick on boats. You know, oh god, I, have to take I got I got sick pills. watching boats. Anyways, the the and mm. then where I really had gone to hell and back is all of a sudden. 
You know what I bought because I saw it on Instagram? I bought a pair of Allbirds. What is wrong with me? I need an what? intervention. I bought a pair of oh Allbirds. Oh, my God. And, but th- have you seen I'm how so incredible sorry. the ads are, but creepy in a good way? They're incredible. No, I have never. I, I like the guy who found Allbirds, but no. No, no. Oh, the, anyways. No. It's like you and every VC in Silicon Valley love those things. Anyways. It, and do you like your Allbirds? Are they nice? They're, they're delicious. They're super comfy. Literally, I could wear these things ever, mm. everywhere, but I like to signal. It's lovely, Scott. I, I, I like to signal. I bet you and Beto could could bond over all birds. He seems like he'd wear all birds. Between your lips and God's ears. Beto. Between your lips and God's ears. Bring it, Beto. <laughs> you know, I'm going to get a co- I'm oh gonna get an gosh. interview with him, and then I'm going to— Oh, my god. I'm doing Mayor Pete from Indiana soon. I would be really excited to talk to him. I'm excited. He's so smart. Nice. He doesn't wear all birds. He wears sensible shoes. Anyway, predictions, Scott. Uh, predictions. Go so, ahead, add whatever you predict. We've been good on predict. We've been winning on predictions. Uh, what did we? Which? What did we predict? We had a bunch that we were right. Well, about. you predicted Amazon. You predicted Amazon was going to leave New York twenty four hours before it happened. Yes, uh, but then there was another one we did last. Someone was pointing to it. I can't tell which one of us did it. It was oh, Facebook executives would leave. Yeah, that's. I think that was you or me. We both agreed on that one. Uh, that was good, and they did. Chris uh, Chris uh, Cox left, and so did the head of whoever his name is, the guy who runs uh, WhatsApp. Uh, that was right. That wasn't that hard to predict. Think of another prediction, Scott. I need a prediction from you, and then we have to. Go. Well, my prediction is I think Beto is going to jump out ahead in the polls. I, th- I think that uh, this is. <sighs> uh, I know. I know I, I, you're going to hate this. I think a white male is going to be right. the Democratic nominee because I think deep down everyone is freaked out. The number one criteria for the Democratic Party will be whoever can beat Trump. And I think people are freaked out that a woman spent a billion dollars to lose to a criminal and they're going to go safe and they're going to mm-hmm. nominate a white male. Mm, that one? Okay. I mean, well, I mean, a I white he, male. But he lost to Ted Cruz. All right. He lost to— all right. We'll take the okay. other side of that, There's though. So many he got, of them. He, I saw Hickenlooper on CNN last night. What did you think of Hickenlooper? People dumb. think he's he kind of a character, kind of a. I liked odd him. He's, in any other era, he could have won. He, in any other era, that's what I thought. Yeah. I was like, in any other era, he would have been a very acceptable candidate. But, but he wasn't exciting enough. He tried. He plays a guitar, apparently. That was interesting. Samantha B did a great rundown of the Democratic candidates, and it was very funny. And she said that uh, she said the funniest thing I think that she said was that. Uh, that Bernie Sanders should borrow uh, Amy Klobuchar's comb, which I think yeah. is funny. How's your buddy Kamala doing? <laughs> I'll tweet how do, it. It's how do you great. feel about Kamala's campaign? Uh, I love her. She's yeah. great. She's my candidate. Yeah, she's I like strong. her. If, if I had to pick among all of them, I think she, she's strong. I like I like a lot of them. I like a lot of them. There's several really good choices, but but not not the one you like. But that's okay. I'll I'll, go, I'll get behind whatever one. But I would like one that could win. I would like one. What's your win, prediction? Which would be great. Oh, this Mueller report is coming, right? I don't know. I think it might be uh, – I, 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 I'm torn between it being a nothing burger and something really significant. So that's where I'm torn. I don't know. I think people will be disappointed because a lot of the stuff has been out there and a lot of these indictments. And so if it doesn't say that he, like, did something just – criminal i think it'll be a da- it'll be a uh, a big downer for everyone and that trump will take advantage of that and you know keep repeating his incessant lies about things no i have a media recommendation it just popped you know. into my mind i've All been right. binge watching something what? called afterlife with ricky gervais is that how you say his name yeah i heard that's it's great really show, really right? wonderful that guy brings together kind of dark He's comedy a wonderful. I mean, it is real it's it's a fantastic program after Life. It's really well done and really moving and funny yes. and all, all that. All right. Good is stuff. that a prediction? No, it, 
The prediction that I'll like it? I need a prediction. Uh, you're going to enjoy it. Are yeah, you you're going to enjoy there it. In Aspen. I'm, I'm done. It's the altitude. It's the altitude uh, The altitude and the edibles that are sold everywhere like Big Macs around all this right. place. All right. Next week, we're going to talk about all these IPOs. So you better start thinking about it. Try a to like. A lot of stuff coming. A lot of stuff coming. A lot of IPOs. Oh, by the way, uh, just mm-hmm. a quick shout out. Lyft was supposed to be twenty billion. I'm, I'm now, I, yeah. now I'm finally hitting mm-hmm. my stride as as we're over as we're running over here. Levi Strauss and Company going public. <laughs> the Haas family, the original gangsters of progressive values, they were giving domestic partner benefits. Mm-hmm. They were giving paternity and maternity leave before it was cool. These are people who advertise their product as being about. Sex, drugs, and rock and roll, but these are incredibly decent people who had a you know kept the company private so they could they could take you know walk the walk and through a lot of incredible expense to shareholder value really uh, implement progressive values so around the workforce. They want the money. Well, it, it's actually a very interesting case study because Levi Strauss and Company in the mid '90s, largest apparel company in the world, but it was a manufacturer's model stuffing it through J.C. Penney's and Sears, and then running great advertisements. About the time mm-hmm. people were mm-hmm. spending less time watching ads. So, who took over, Kara? Trivia question: Who became the biggest apparel company? Yeah. The Gap, who decided that brand building was moving to the yeah. stores, yeah. and yeah. by 2002. The Gap was the most valuable apparel company in the world, and now Levi's has made a nice comeback with more control over their distribution. Great product. Anyways, shout out to the Haas family and Levi Strauss and Company going public. A good brand. All right, that's also not a prediction. And good people. Not a prediction. Okay, the the, the stock's going to pop. No prediction. The stock's going to pop. I I gave a a very, very bold prediction that the Democratic nominee is going to be a white male. All right, okay. Okay, that's going to have to wait. We've come to grips. Get ready on your IPOs for next week. We're talking IPOs I, next week. I will week, study so up. To talk I'll about study IPOs. up. And the, and the numbers that these numbers, the 20 billion, the 120 billion, that kind of stuff. Where yeah, Lyft's going to make it out first. Right. Crazy stuff. Crazy Scott. stuff, Kara. Enjoy yourself on the slopes with your Allbirds. I hope you enjoy yourself. You're perfectly dressed for Aspen. You know it. You elitist. You terrible yeah, all elitist. of those things. I'm wearing tree torns that I resole every three, every six months. Anyway, it's time to go. Thanks, Kara. We'll talk Have to you soon. Have a good week. Thank you. Rebecca Sinanis produces this show. Nishad Kurwa is the executive producer. Thanks also to Eric Johnson. Thanks for listening to Pivot from Vox Media. We'll be back next week with more of a breakdown of all things tech and business. If you like what you heard, please subscribe, rate, and review Pivot on Apple Podcasts. And please say what you think about Scott's new Albert.